second scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Revelation, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 7 through 13. Revelation 3, verses 7 through 13. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1916, right there near the end. 1916. Revelation 3, verses 7 through 13. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my commands to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it find the door to the kingdom open to them. Well, for Advent, we've been going through the song of Emmanuel and the scripture behind that song. And last week, we, we noted that each of these seven verses are antiphons, highlights a name, or rather a title of Jesus that we find in scripture. Last week, we reflected on Jesus being both our wisdom from on high and our Lord of might. And our wisdom, Jesus, is that eternal being who was there from the beginning when the foundation of the earth was formed. It was he who, who ordered all things and, and holds all things together. And this wisdom also imparts his knowledge to us. And one of the ways he does this is through his holy law. It was on Mount Sinai that this Lord of might came to his people, demonstrating both his power and his mercy. He had veiled himself in a thick cloud so that the people would not be utterly destroyed by his glory. And he gave to them his law, which revealed to them two things. One, that even though that they had been freed from Egypt, they were still slaves under the oppression of their sins. And two, it, it gave them a glimpse into the heart of who God is. For the law gives us, a, gives us a description of the character of God. And if you look closely at this law, what you will find out 
is that God is love. Now, before we continue our journey through this song, I want, I want to remind you of one small detail. These, these antiphons of old, they, they used to be sung at, to close out the evening services during the Advent season, from December 17th to December 23rd. And each one would give the theme for that day. Now, what is interesting is that each day, after the abbot would recite the antiphon, he would, he would then give a gift to a member of the community, someone who, who matched the character trait of these things. For instance, after chanting, O come thou wisdom, he would present a token of appreciation to the town librarian. Or after, O Adonai, or Lord of Might, that a gift would be given to the Lord of that town. Now for our two for today, branch of Jesse's tree and key of David, you, you might guess who would be given the honor of receiving such presents. The head gardener and the town porter. For it was a, it was a gar gardener who made the trees flourish, and it was a porter who held the key to the city gates. So let's talk about these two titles. Branch of Jesse's tree and key of David. Both have strong messianic overtones. Jesse being the, the father of David and David being the king through whom God had promised an heir. A man who would one day establish an eternal and unshakable kingdom. Let's, let's look at these verses beginning with the branch. O come, O branch of Jesse's tree, free them from Satan's tyranny, that trust your mighty power to save, bring them in victory through the grave. Now the original antiphon went as follows, O root of Jesse, standing as a sign among the peoples, before you kings will shut their mouths, to you the nations will make their prayer. Come and deliver us and delay no longer. Here we, we see this kingly theme. We see this, this one who is most high, even being worthy of prayer from the nations. And what did the people ask for? For deliverance. They, they are looking forward to that, that coming king who will, who will free them from Satan's grasp. That, that serpent of old who had brought death into this world. These two titles, Branch of Jesse from our song and, and Root of Jesse from our antiphon, they, they come to us from the prophet Isaiah. Look again at, at Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. And if we could look just a little further in verse 10, we, we also read this. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner of peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. Now what is fascinating about these two verses is that we see Jesus occupying the place of two things. He is both the branch from Jesse that we read in verse 1, and he is also the, the root of Jesse that we see in verse 10. 
Think about that for a moment. Not only is he the stem that grows from this chopped down stump, but he is the roots as well. In other words, he, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the creator of both Jesse and David. And he is their offspring. In this picture of Christ, we see this shoot coming out of the stump. And we also see the roots planted firmly in the ground. It is a picture of both his humanity and his divinity. He is, he is one who is, who is both frail and mortal, while at the same, same exact time, he is strong and everlasting. Christ, he, he came to us as both God and man. And that town of Bethlehem, which both Jesse and David were from, it was there that Jesus was born. This tiny stem who was fragile and needy was also the strong roots of the tree, immovable and unyielding. He would be the one before whom the mouths of kings would be shut and to whom the nations would come to pray. And we see this at a very young age. Look at Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. These magi from the east, these men of prestige and power, they, they recognized who Christ was and they bowed down before this baby, worshiping him as God. They were the first of, of many whom Christ would reach with his saving grace. For that is what he came to do, to deliver them from Satan's tyranny, which is the power of death. Heading back to our passage in Isaiah, we learn a little more. Look at Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 9. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his, put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as, as the waters cover the sea. What the prophet is describing here is, is a world where, where death has no power. There is no longer prey nor predator. Animals that could, could tear apart a full-grown man are no more threatening than a baby kitten. A child has no reason to fear, for death 
has no hope. How can this be, you might ask? Because this branch of Jesse's tree is also the key of David. Let's look at our fourth verse. It'll come, come, Emmanuel. Let's look at this key of David. O come, O key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. And here's our original antiphon. O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can shut. You shut and no one can open. Come and lead the prisoners from the prison house those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. What good is a key for except for locking and unlocking? And it was a key of David that represented the authority to do such things. Once again, we, we, we see the prophet Isaiah being referenced in our song, Isaiah 22, verses 20 through 22. In that day, I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place on his shoulders the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Here we see this man named Eliakim, a faithful servant to the king. And it is prophesied that he would one day take upon the robe and the, and the sash symbolizing authority within the king's house. And this servant to the king would be like a father to the people. By his, his, his very nature, he was worthy of honor and respect. He, he was a man who drew the affection of those he loved. And finally, we see that the key of the house of David was placed upon his shoulders. Now, what you have to know about these, these keys of old is that they were very large and very heavy. They could sometimes measure as, as long as three feet. Here's a picture of what some of them look like. As you can see, one, one just didn't put that key in their pocket, did they? No. Instead, they would, they would sling it over their shoulder, carrying it around. And eventually, these, these keys became symbols of authority. For the man with the key was the one who could grant access to the king. Of course, in our hymn, it isn't talking about a life but a different keyhole. In Revelation 1, the Apostle John was confronted with a vision of Christ. And in verse 17, we read this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jump forward to chapter 3, verse 7. 
to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. How many of you have ever tried to get into a nightclub? I don't see any hands. Oh, there we go. A few of you. Well, if you have, you will know that there's always a bouncer at the door, right? And this, this bouncer is a very, very large man. He decides who will go into the clubs and who will stay out. In essence, he is the keys. Similarly, Christ is like a bouncer. He, he holds the key of David. He is in control of, of whether the door is open or whether the door is shut. He is the one who decides who, who will enter in to the throne room of God and who shall be left out. The authority rests on his shoulders. To, to, to truly understand what is going on here, one must first comprehend this concept of Hades, or Sheol, as a, as a Hebrew should speak. In the Apostles' Creed, which we recited earlier, we, we say that Jesus descended into Hades. What we refer to as Hades, let me just make this clear, this is not hell. Hades, hell, hell is a place of torment. Reserved for the end after Christ returns after the second end. Hades, on the other hand, is, is like a holding tank for the dead. Yet when Christ died, when he died on the cross, we confess that Jesus descended to the dead, unlocking the door of Hades and removing the grip of death's power. This is why at the moment of Jesus' death, we read this in Matthew 27, verses 51 through 53. At that moment, the, the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and, and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Here we see a, a precursor of what is to come. That there will come a day when, when the dead will be raised, some to eternal life and some to eternal destruction. This resurrection of those who have been trapped in Hades only comes about because Jesus entered into that and unlocked the door. You see, he is the key of David. He decides who can enter in and who will be left out. He, he parts the curtain to God's throne room, allowing those whom he chooses to come before the Father. This is why he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <clears throat> Jesus is this key of David. And there is no other way to the Father. 
Dear friends, a, a, a message like this is desperately needed in our world today. In a, in a time when people claim to have their own truth, as if there could be more than one, Jesus says no. He is the way and the truth and the life. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And only he can open the door and set the prisoners free, leading them away from that land of shadow death. But just as the key opens, it also shuts. Now is the time of salvation. There will come a day when, when the door will be closed. In Matthew 25, Jesus gave three parables about people being shut out. I want us to take a look at the first one, which is about five virgins who these women did not prepare for the arrival of the bridegroom. And so they, what they did, they left their post to buy more oil for their lamps. And when they did that, they missed their opportunity. And when they finally showed up, we read this. Look at Matthew 25, verses 10 through 12. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Time is ticking. You don't know the days that God has numbered for you. <coughs> And only those who, who repent of their sins and trust in this Jesus, this branch of Jesse's tree, who is the Alpha and the Omega, both God and man, the one who shuts the mouths of kings, the one to whom all the nations come to to pray, this key of David who opened the door for you when he died on the cross, the only one who can bring you to the Father. Only those who, who turn from their sins and believe in this Messiah can be saved. There is no other way. This is my urgent message to all of you. To repent. To look to Christ, to that branch from Jesse's tree. To that key of David. For his advent is near. His he is coming. And once the door is shut, no one can open it. Listen to the words of your Savior from, from Revelation 3, verses 11 through 13. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Brothers, sisters, this, this is my hope for you this Advent season. That you would be a pillar in God's house. That the name of God would be written upon you, as well as the name of his city, your eternal home. And the name of your Savior, this branch from Jesse's tree, this key of David. That is my desire for each and every one of you. This Advent season, let our thoughts be ever upon our Lord. And may the door to his kingdom be open for each and every one of you. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son, who is both the, the root and the branch. He is both our God and our, and our new Adam. And he is the only one who can grant us entrance into your throne room. Open up our eyes that, that, that we may see and open up our ears that we may hear what your spirit is saying to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.